All right, Chuck. Week three NFL is in the books, and what the hell did we just watch? What a week, huh? <laughs> it's back. We'll yeah, play. it's back. Hanson was flying on red zone, too. Um, it, you know, we took a look at the slate beforehand and thought it was pretty ugly. A lot of big spreads, and naturally, of course, how the NFL goes and ends up with a ton of upsets, ton of huge numbers, huge fantasy, you know, implications across the league had travis kelsey feeling 22 again a lot of taylor swift coverage had to sneak that on in there it's the only song i really know by her but i mean that was ad nauseum shades of jessica simpson tony romo days um but a wild week like honestly i had to re-watch a bunch of highlights this week to like catch up on it again because i was at a bar watching like neck was like hurting from like rubbernecking, turning left and right and this and that. Dolphin scored again, you know. Um it was just insane. So um it does feel like NFL is fully, fully back. You know, you get you dip your toe in the water week one, kind of dust the rust off, so to speak. And then, you know, week two, it's like, all right, starting to get a feel for this. And then week three is where like it's an upheaval of everything you thought you knew. Um and it's like, all right, exactly. the chaos is here. So awesome, awesome uh you know, week three here. Um, I think for this one, to kind of sift through the madness and the and the debris, we'll kind of break it down with a little studs versus duds, um, you know, exercise rather than going through game by game. Maybe keep it a little shorter overall, but basically pretty simple. Have, you know, three main categories or topics in the studs column, so positive storylines, and then three in the dud, you know, we'll alternate um, with three in the duds columns covering some, you know, either surprising, you know, letdowns or poaching hot seats, things like that, where we can kind of sink our teeth into um, the critical aspect of it. You know, us from our armchair, you know, couches, the experts, yeah. self-proclaimed experts, obviously. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that'll be a good way to go about it and and see how this one goes and and we'll, you know, regroup for week four. But is there anything else you wanted to add before we jump in about about what the hell you saw? No, no, I don't think so. Thanks for for giving the people the outline. We could obviously sit here and second guess coaching decisions for an hour, but <laughs> I don't think that's the best use of anybody's time. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll have some positivity in there as well. Um, and to kick things off, our first stud of the week. I think it's probably a pretty obvious starting point for any NFL conversation on this Monday or Tuesday morning. The motherfucking Miami Dolphins look like Woo! an absolute wagon like truly historic performance I, we can run through all the stats most uh yards from scrimmage in by one team in a game ever they could have had the record for most points uh, regardless still the most points in the super bowl era just a dominating performance uh, whoa i mean it was great like we have an insane witching hour going on and then the updates are like oh yeah and here are the dolphins breaking a record or devon hn going for for another 80 um, I do have maybe a pointed question for you on this, but just first initial reactions watching that yesterday uh, amidst the mayhem. What what were your, your takeaways? 70s, the new 50, huh? That The golden years never looked so good on someone. Holy smokes. Um, I'll keep it positive here because we might touch on the Broncos woes in a little bit, but um, 
you you covered all like how impressive it was. I mean, I could go on at all day about that. Um, what I saw, I just they are so much fun to watch. Um, you know, I don't really have any like truly insightful things to say. I mean, everyone saw the highlights, the storylines, but man, are they a hell of a time to watch? Like they didn't even have Jalen Waddle. Um, and it just, but like the lefty QB and Tua, we saw McDaniels again on the sideline. I brought us up the last two weeks, just like the Miami Vice vibes, the colors of the uniforms, how fast they are out there, the star power, the run and gun, the motion they keep running. I, I actually yeah, read up a lot creativity. on it. Exactly. All these different formations and they run so much motion to throw the defense off. It's just like really exciting. And in an era where, you know, we still see more pass happy, more modern offenses, the McVay coaching tree you know, has brought in a new wave of youthful exuberance and energy to these coaching um, coaching staffs. But there still is a little too much of that old, archaic, run the ball on first and second down, third and eight, yeah. slant. Um, so it's always a breath of fresh air. And for, you know, no matter what, every week they're going to be a must-watch team. You know, fingers crossed, Tua stays healthy. I, again, I, I'm not saying best who the mm -hmm. best receiver is, but Tyreek is the, my favorite receiver to watch, the way he just darts around on the field. It's mesmerizing. Um, he's like a jackrabbit out there. Um, but again, did it without Waddle. Four touchdowns each from Mostert and a chain. I know most people had a chain on their benches. I had Mostert in a couple lineups, so I was skipping down the sidewalk. I, I was literally getting like, I was, you know, getting a drink or whatever, and I'd look at my phone, Mostert touchdown. You know those Yahoo notifications, and it's like yeah. the purple, whatever. I, I would look again, it would be three in a row notifications. Like, holy shit, Raheem Mostert, 19 yard touchdown. Raheem Mostert, three yard touchdown. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was like repeating the message by accident. Um, but it, it really was unbelievable to watch um I, and i i always when it's good quality football with creative you know groundbreaking play calling and stuff like that i always appreciate it so i'm all in on the dolphins i, I loved every second of it um and I, I can't see what can't wait to see what they have next up their sleeve um i don't know what else you want to add to that i mean I don't, i'm not even sure what what there is to add I, like yeah i think i mean on the one hand there's the question of or, or I'll begin it with an opinion, but it'll lead a question back to you. Because we watch a lot of games. There's a lot of blowouts. Teams score 40, 45, you know, not insanely often, but quite a bit. Uh, the way they scored 70, it looked like something different. And they, yeah. early in the year last year, when Tua was healthy pre-first concussion, they were like a baby version of, of what we saw yesterday. But this season has looked like Mike McDaniel's just like taking his already you know top two top three offense and taking it to another level mm -hmm. and it really feels pretty i mean two is the mvp favorite at this point by a mile like it really feels like is this the year of of the dolphin not to to get all chinese new year with it but like are they the favorite to win the super bowl right now like <clears throat> i haven't even looked at the odds I'm, I'm obviously there's there is an answer to that but where are you at is it still week three september dolphins warm weather are you really tempering expectations or does this feel almost like a changing of the guard where as, as long as two is healthy is this the best offense in the league bar none i think it's the best offense in the league um you know from an output and production standpoint productivity standpoint but i'm not ready to leapfrog them and put them as the top dog in the afc i am willing to put them in the on the tier with the chiefs and the bills Bengals have their own worries about which we can get into, and we've already discussed a little bit. The Burrow injuries kind of put everything in flux there, but I think the th big three in the AFC 
through three weeks. Bills and Chiefs not going anywhere. The Dolphins are there now. The Dolphins are yeah. officially in that territory, in the discussion, in a legitimate way. Um, I know it's everyone saying September, like warm weather or whatever. First of all, they could get home field advantage for the playoffs and have warm yeah. weather games. Secondly, everyone said that last year where they had to start Skylar Thompson in the playoffs in Buffalo and gave them a run for their money. So not saying that's going to happen again, but McDaniels does really seem like a guy who maximizes what he has. And we'll always talk about Tua and Herbert because they were picked back-to-back. You know, Burrow already kind of established himself as like the guy in the class. But Tua went one pick over Herbert, and for a longest time between Tua's, you know, early struggles, um, you know, his first couple years, and then the Flores thing was really weird with Flores wanting him out and wanted to bench him for any, like, shitty veteran. Um, And it was like, does this guy just not have the arm strength? Lefty, weird, doesn't really make sense. He's undersized. And then even when he was good last year with McDaniels in, like, kind of unlocked, then the concussions and the injuries happen. And it was like on top of maybe the questionable arm strength, now it's the injury stuff. It's like Herbert is a gunslinger out there and like your poster child for what you want in a quarterback. So there was these unfair comparisons that like, oh, I'd rather you'd rather have Herbert than Tua, and like Tua is a bust compared to Herbert. Again, the kind of extreme reactions. I still think in a vacuum, Herbert's the more talented quarterback. And in like yeah. you know, more situations than not, probably maximizes his team more than Tua but Tua works really well for this system and it's another testament you know that you've touched on to McDaniels he really caters his offense around his personnel and granted he went out and got these guys he inherited Tua but he went out and got Tyreek he brought in Mostert from San Fran and Jeff Wilson those running backs you know he he saw Waddle as this great underneath route runner like he, he figured out ways to maximize a very talented roster but Tua who may not be the best like deep ball thrower in the game um, from an arm strength or accuracy standpoint, but it can still get it to Tyreek when he needs to and like is really good with quick throws and timing yeah. routes and stuff like that. People used to th- see that as like a, a negative to Tua. It's like, well, that's his strength, and, and McDaniels is just a really good coach that knows how to play to that. So I just think that it's as long as he's healthy, it's th- they're a, they can compete with anyone. And, that, you know, that, and it's just a testament to how great of a system they built. A crazy anecdote on Tua... Although I didn't feel, <clears throat> excuse me, did not feel crazy at the time. I was on a bachelor party last winter with like nine Miami Dolphins fans. And it was the week of the Skylar Thompson game mm. in Buffalo, the playoff game. I watched it with them. We had a bunch of two a chatter leading up to the game, as you can imagine. In this crew, <clears throat> nine or ten of them, they were split dead even on who was a two a guy and who wasn't. Like yeah. truly... Their own fans. And the way that Pat's fans are like, do we hate Mac? Do we love him? Yeah, but at least he like stinks and it's a legitimate. Like Tua was really good. And I think some of it is, you know, the feeling of, hey, there's a limitation when he's your quarterback. And that, hey, you know, Mike White or or anybody could could put up points because McDaniel's that good. Um, I'm also not ready to say that. I think Tua has legit skill that does maximize, like that does raise the level too. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. And I no, and I totally agree. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Is yeah, again, McDaniel probably deserves more of the credit than any other individual person or or player um, because he's also keeping Tua healthy. I think the reason he Tua was was pretty low on an MVP odds going into the year. It's because it just felt insane that he was going to play 16 games yeah. or 17 games. It um, felt grim. And, yeah. And so not only is his skill set, you know, anticipation, processing speed, three-step, just get it out, that also keeps him healthy, right? If he's getting rid of the ball in two seconds, he's not getting hit. 
And so the whole offense seems yep. to, to really fit what they need. Um, now, I think the one caveat we should add, and we'll, we'll get into this a little deeper when we, we talk on some disappointing coaching performances from the weekend. Uh, some of those touchdown runs, like the Browns, oh look like, or, excuse me, the Broncos look like a JV football team. Like they, they might have just quit on Sean Payton. Um, There's one that's already been memed, and it was like five of them lying on the ground as a, a chain was like 50 yards in front of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know the, the exact screenshot you're looking yep. at. Yeah, uh, so you know all of this with a grain of salt, but it it really did feel like a, a special day for the Dolphins, and and like uh, if we just get to watch them put up 35 every Sunday, it's it's going to be a shitload of fun. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, they 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 put up a ton on a bad Chargers defense week one, um, and the Patriots, who obviously have a you know an excellent defense, they still put up twenty four. It wasn't quite the same. It wasn't quite the same like offense humming you know all at the same speed kind of thing. But they still had a few explosive Moster plays and Tyree plays. It's like whoa, that happened fast. You know what I mean? It was a little bit of a sleeping giant there. But it seems like an every week occurrence where they're going to have at least. Not quite the 70-point explosion, but they're going to have at least a few whoa plays that make you kind of go, I haven't seen that before. That was yeah. exciting. And this is without Waddle on Sunday, yeah. uh, and it's a chain's first game. Um, apparently, by the way, I don't, we don't need to do this. No, no one's listening anyway. But <laughs> Schefter tweets out today that his name is technically pronounced like A-chan or A-chan. Excuse A-chan. Me. That's what it is. H and which good luck getting people to say that. Um, Schefter could be fucking with everyone. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Too much power. (laughs) Him, him, and Woj just drunk on that shit. It's it's out of control. Uh, Well, moving on to something a little uh, less positive, or not even less positive, because this is kind of why I love the NFL. Yep, we had three classic NFL survivor pool ruiners yes <laughs> three seemingly just layup games ravens colts is probably not quite in that class of layup um because gardner's frisky and and, and that team's been been playing decently but it's still a seven and a half point spread but the cowboys 12 and a half point favorites at kick on the road yeah lost to josh dobbs uh that was truly handling. And then yeah like at really no point was where, where the the Cowboys like, you know, a score away and did it feel like, ah, oh, well, this game's definitely going to be going to be um, closer or a Cowboys win. And then the Jags, which I'll, I'll let you touch on at the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is just classic NFL. The second you start to believe something. Nope. Like, good luck. If, if you're the Ravens, you're getting smoke blown up your ass all week. Everyone's saying they're back. They figured it out. Todd Munkin, if they're this good this early. Right, right. Uh, no, Gardner Minshew is going to come in and, and steal a W from you. Um, really tough missed PI call at the end of that Ravens game. So yep. if, if you're a Ravens fan, you're pissed. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> these three games were kind of what made the weekend, honestly, uh, aside from the Dolphins. So this is just classic NFL being the NFL. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah, I the Gardner Minshew, I, I mentioned it off, off of camp or off mic, but he's the trailer park uh baker mayfield they look alike he's got a little bit more of a grit you know bumpkin vibe to him but in a you know an endearing way like or more of a jacksonville vibe so to speak Mm -hmm. um but the same kind of thing where they're gritty guys like animated guys out on the field can kind of get it to the right receivers when they have to can sling it a little bit even if they're lacking a little bit in arm talent um but are always kind of animated and and the star of the show when they're out there um in, in kind of a 
gravitational pull from the cameras, but like get their yeah. team, it seems rallied around them, like pumped up, kind of, and just battle all the way through and seem to hang around in games they shouldn't be in and steal a few that they shouldn't steal. So like I, in hindsight, I know it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I wasn't that shocked that Gardner snuck that one out because I, I actually even said to myself, I think when we did our bets, I took the Colts to cover because it was a pretty big spread. Yeah. I was like, I just think Gardner keeps this one close. I wasn't expecting him to win, but I thought he would, you know, he would hang around there. Um, and their deep, the Colts defense isn't bad, actually. Um, on the Ravens note, they their offense has been solid to start, but it hasn't been, as we've touched on, Lamar hasn't looked like the old Lamar yet. I don't know if he ever will look quite like that. And it hasn't been like all, you know, buttercups and roses for that offense. Like it, they're putting up 20, 24 a game, but kind of a choppy flow to it. Like it hasn't been that fun to watch. Hasn't seemed like it's at full full sync. So like obviously it's going to get better as the season goes along. I'm not saying this is doom and gloom, but I wasn't surprised they dropped one where like it just didn't work out, you know, for a game. So I agree with you. That's a total like classic NFL game. I thought of the three, Cowboys was the most shocking. Um, I'll get into the Jags in a second, but the Cowboys was the most shocking in the sense that I thought I know the Cardinals hung around with the Giants in that big first half, but I really thought they were like intentionally tanking and didn't yeah. really have a ch- legit chance to beat anyone. And I know the Cowboys beat the Jets and Giants, who look both like messes, but they beat them so badly, and their defense is so good that I was like, there's no way Dobbs is moving the ball on them at all, even if Dak is a little underwhelming or whatnot. But it was a weird game. I'd like to go back and kind of watch the, the accelerated version again and, and just see how it unfolded. But from what I've gathered, it was like they went down early, we're trying to play a little bit of catch up, but just got really sloppy with palnies and whatnot. And we're just kind of down and out early and just didn't put up the fight you'd think. And, you know, I know we've alluded to some bad coaching. I'm not saying this one was on McCarthy necessarily, but it does just feel like one of those McCarthy losses where he's the play caller and it's like, all right, you're down 14 and like you got punched in the mouth. Like you need to start airing it out and like having some explosive plays to come back. He's like a methodical, conservative, run the ball, control the clock kind of play caller and that's how he wants to run his system but it's like I still like the Cowboys long term this could be one of those weird ones it's really shocking to me because I've how good I thought the Cowboys were and how bad I thought the Cardinals were but it is something that a lingering question can Dak be the guy to lead you in a comeback a and B is McCarthy the play caller that can do it when you're down 14 because it just didn't seem like the urgency was there and that's what's most like disappointing and maybe a little concerning about that because the talent is still there I know Trey Diggs got hurt but man, like you can't pin it all on that. No, and so they're down nine at half. If if I had the yeah. score right, I think it was twenty to eleven. And you're thinking like, all right, it's going to be a gross win. We we right. see these all the right. time. In the second half, Dak and the Cowboys have four drives. They all go to the red zone. No touchdowns. Yeah, and ultimately, I think that's really what what you're getting at when it comes to McCarthy. It's like, sure, he's not like incompetent in the offense. Correct. His talent everywhere. CeeDee Lamb's a stud. Um, but Kellen Moore was pretty... Well, two things. Kellen Moore was creative mm-hmm. in the red zone. And they also had Zeke. And uh, yeah. hat tip to, to Ben Solak at the ringer for this because he, he was going a little deep on like, that's what I'm scared about with this Cowboys team is can they execute in the red zone? Because they've been a lot worse this year versus last year and mm. you know ultimately like 
if you're going to throw CD a one-on-one ball like that, sure, that that works. Um, but normally in the red zone, that's kind of where you need a little bit more creativity, misdirection, something to keep the defense on its toes because the game's a lot easier for the defense when when there's only 10 yards to defend or 15 or 20. And that's, to me, like Mike McCarthy is not a bad coach. He's not like a, a, a sore for, for your team like, like some of the guys we might touch on in a minute here in Oakland and, and in Chicago. Uh, but he's he doesn't inspire confidence offensively. He, he so that that I think is the biggest storyline to watch with them. Like you're gonna yeah. have to play a little bit more aggressively if if that defense isn't gonna be dominant. And um, it it remains to be seen with the Trayvon Diggs injury. Like, do you have the cornerback depth? I know Stephon Gilmore's still there. Yeah, uh, he's old. You know, there aren't a lot of like great. He still grades out really well, or he did last year grade yes. out really well and had been really good the first two weeks. I, again, it's a lot, a lot to put on him with, you know, as a 33, 34 year old with digs out. But he, I was surprised at how good his like advanced metrics were last year and his start this year. Man, I didn't even, I didn't realize he was 33. I yeah, like he's up. I think he is. I, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. No, no, oh, yeah. I just pulled it up. Honestly, his picture on Google makes him look 43. So. <laughs> <laughs> Win some, you lose some. Yeah, and, and on McCarthy's note, I mean, it's been beating, beating like a drum in the past with the, him and the Rodgers drama for years of him play having the play calling, losing the play calling, taking it back. And Rodgers, for years, like he would always, they'd always run it a lot more than you thought they should when they have a guy like Rodgers. Um, but it, it is one of those systems. Where he, he doesn't. He's not bad. For, he's not like a drain on your team. But he right. isn't like I don't know what I'm what the word I'm looking for is, but he's just he's so un unwilling to adapt in mid game. I watched enough Packers playoff games where it's like, hey, I get you had a great game script and a plan, but you're down ten nothing or fourteen nothing in the second quarter. It's like you gotta change on the fly. And that's what I think some really good offensive coaches do do. Is like all right, I have this trick up my sleeve to try and come back. They're stuffing this. Like, let's rearrange and get this guy involved. Like, it helps when you have a lot more weapons to work with. But, like, a McDaniels or a McVay or or Shanahan, like, or an Andy Reid will get, like, whoa, this guy involved one week. Like, for fantasy, it might be a headache. But for real life, it's like they, they kind of adapt on the fly. And McCarthy has never really seemed to do that. Um, it's, and it's, yeah, it's like the frustrating school. thing to watch. Totally. It's predictable and it's that old school, like, we're going to play hat on a hat football. Right. Like, we're going to put four. And it's like, listen, if, if a thousand miles away, you have Mike McDaniel reinventing modern NFL offense, how do you expect to compete if you're just yeah. going to run the same shit? And, you know, maybe there, there's somebody in the building who can help, you know, bring Mike McCarthy into, into right. a new era. And let's, you know, we're, we're overreacting for sure. Crazy losses happen in the NFL and, and they look pretty good for the first two weeks, but uh, it certainly feels like a total question mark now. If, if yeah. that team is, is going to be a juggernaut in the NFC. I mean, I think I saw that Tony Pollard, who's amazing player, but had like 25, 26 carries for like 75 yards. That's a bad yards per carry. It's like, all right, the ground game's not working and you're down. How about throwing some screens? You know, how about throwing more to CD land? Like I just don't, you got to mix it up a little bit. Like it's not ground and pound with Pollard this game. You're not up 20 points on the jets, you know? Um, and the Cowboys will be fine for the playoffs. They'll make it, especially in that NFC. I'm not worried about that at all, but if we're looking bigger picture and for Cowboy fans and the Cowboys being the Cowboys in the playoffs, this stinks of one of those games. They go down like eight against the Niners 
and just never seem to really threaten after that. And it just seems like rinse and repeat with that. And then Dak gets absolutely destroyed on first take for seven days. Right, exactly. As is tradition. Uh, yep. one, one final note on that, just another good stat nugget from uh, Ben Solak. Rodgers' best red zone season by efficiency was the year after McCarthy left. Wow. So keep keep yeah. that pinned. Um, I like that red yeah. zone note by you. And it, it's funny because like Zeke was always like all center of all the memes last year because like his yards per carry wasn't good. But and he was definitely lost a step or two, had the big contract, maybe a little over, you know, heavier than he used to be. But he did know how to get a, get the ball in the end zone, and he did know how to like control a ball when they were up a few, you know, up points like four or five yards, plotted ahead, physical, really good blocking running back too. So, you know, there were things he did well for the team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, all right, back to the studs column. Our, our second stud. You want well, we to want to lead us up here? We didn't touch on the Jags. I ha- I had oh, to at yeah. least mention <laughs> them. Because uh, we, we need it, to, yeah, please, yeah, because it does lead into one of our studs later um, on the Texan side. Um, but touching on the keeping with the duds theme, as a as a, you know, self proclaimed Jags Jags guy here and, and Lawrence guy, um, I'm definitely worried about the team. So I'm not as like I am shocked at how bad it was of a blowout, um, twenty points. But going into the game, I. You know, the Texans actually like sneakily played Lawrence really well last year in both games. D'Amico Ryan seems to have a good game plan um, or good defensive, of, um, you know, defensive plan and um, scheme for, for Lawrence because they were kind of all over him this game. But I'd be worried for the Jags in the sense that they got absolutely beaten from start to finish in like a full team game. I'm not worried about Lawrence, you know, long term or anything like that. I know he's looked shaky these last two games. Play calling hasn't been great. They've had a few throws that, you know, end zone throws um, that just didn't connect. So, like, I think by a law of averages and, you know, positive regression, that'll that'll pick up because they've been awful the last two games in the red zone. They had four field goal or three field goals and a fourth down failure um, in the previous game against the Chiefs when they only put up nine points, three field goals. Um, in this game, it was a lot more of the same. They had one 35-yard touchdown um, to Kirk, but a lot of it was just kind of stalling in the red zone or at the 40-yard line. Um, there's definitely there's rumors swirling about their offensive coordinator who Peterson brought in, like not maybe being the most original or creative play caller. People th- or Rumors are swirling that Peterson took over the play calling in third quarter. That was a lot more aggressive. I, I've noticed that they've been doing a lot of that stupid – run with ETN for two downs and then throw it on third and eight. It's like, well, we all know this pass is co- – we know you're running on first and second down. It's a third and long. You have to pass. Lawrence is getting rocked with pressure. And Lawrence, he hasn't been um, absolved by any means. Like, he's had some bad throws and whatnot. Uh, he's only 23 still. Um, and he'll be fine. The weapons are there. But the team, their defense really stinks. And their special teams was sloppy. And, like, they, they just, like – top to bottom got beat by what looked like a better team. Like if you didn't know the teams going into it and you just saw them play in neutral jerseys, you'd be like that Texans team is the better team. Like they just played yeah. great top to bottom and kudos to them. Um, maybe they caught the Jags on a bad day, whatnot, but it feels like it's a bigger problem than like Lawrence just getting on the right page. There feels like a, not chargers esque, but it feels like a little bit like even if Lawrence does start turning it on like Herbert, they still might be losing some shootouts. Um, I don't know if that's totally true because, again, Lawrence really hasn't like like gotten locked in um, and they've been really bad in the red zone. I haven't loved the play calling or his execution. 
I think that will come around. But there's a lot of other pieces of the Jags that you're like, uh-oh, that's got to shore up quickly. Yeah, there's just a, a certain, and we are early in the season, but there's a certain look and feel that deep playoff run teams start to take on. And the Jags look a mile away from that right now. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you. Like, if you have Trevor Lawrence and Dynasty, you're not terrified. If you have a Jags to win the AFC this year ticket, you're fucking terrified. Yes. So. Yeah. Even, I mean, I think I, AFC South, they should still be the drive in the front runner driver's seat for it because it's a bad division and there's a lot of young teams there. But like, I'd be like, uh oh, this could be a, a sloppy dogfight if this keeps up. You know, and I mean, if they go to Houston and can't beat them, I don't know when they play them. Probably second half of the year. Yeah. I mean, Houston's looking frisky. I, they I, are. I, I certainly don't think they're winning nine games, but um, right, right, cra- crazier things have happened. Um, all right. Well, as as you finished up, Jags, I'll then jump into our our second stud of the week, um, and it's more of a stud storyline. Um, the teams that lost in Week One that feel like they've righted the ship and they're they're back on track for for what we expected. So. The Bills feel like the the loudest sort of team in, in this category. They whomped the Commanders. I had to remember what that football team's called for a second there. Um, 37-3, just an absolute demolishing. Sam Howell looked horrendous. Four picks. One of them was a pick six. Uh, really just a, a disgusting effort. I, this is a classic, like, Commanders were 2-0. and you know, are they really going to beat the Bills, even though they were at home? Like, are they going to beat the Bills to go three and zero? Water finds its level. Like bridge too far. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Um, and the Bills, you know, you lose Week One and you lose one of the Jets. You you end up feeling um, a little desperate, I would think, for for a few weeks. So that Week One result is probably going to be the wonkiest final of, of the entire season. And I don't even think there's a whole lot to to add beyond that. It's just the Bills clicking again the Chiefs to me it's a similar story um you know that Lions game was weird Thursday night week one but they're bad I mean they they look pretty unstoppable I think I said some asinine shit about Mahomes last week where I was like yeah I don't know (laughs) what did I say I don't know you know they didn't look super crisp um and maybe the the solve for not looking crisp is just play the Bears um but they looked phenomenal um, Rasheed Rice is starting to show me something too. I feel like I keep mentioning yeah. him just sort of yeah. in hopes that he becomes something, but there's something in, in the way he was moving in the second half of that game, just getting upfield really quickly after uh, catching and turning. That I don't know. It just looks a little different than the Sky Moore juju bullshit we watched last yeah. year. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then the last team here, but before I kick it over to you, the Seahawks, 37 points, two weeks in a row. The Gino Mirage, well, maybe it wasn't a Mirage last year. Uh, he looked pretty solid again. They're rolling. They could play a little more defense, as mm-hmm. you pointed out, as, as we were talking pre, pre-pod. But, uh, yeah, all three of those teams just feel like, all right, what we expected from them preseason, they're, like you said, finding their level. Water finds its level. And, uh, yeah, I think they're all just playoff teams. Should be rock solid. And, obviously, the, the Bills and Chiefs, um, have have one goal and they, they both feel like it's Super Bowl or bust at this point. Yeah, I mean it, the Seahawks are not in the tier of the Bills and Chiefs, obviously, but the same kind of trajectory with like a shocking week one loss. Or I guess for Chiefs it wasn't shocking because Kelsey was out and it was the Lions who people are high on. But it was at home, you know, opening week defending the Super Bowl. All you know, the Seahawks was twenty points. Yeah. So that one was surprising. The other two were actually shocking. Bills dropping that to the Jets when Rodgers went out. And the Seahawks to the Rams, who are supposed to be like tank mode. 
Um, I I agree. I think the Bills is just necessary statement games. You know, they were supposed yeah. to beat the Commanders bad, supposed to beat the Raiders. Yeah, you had it's the same. I hate when these narratives start, but the week one, you know, people come crawling out of their holes. Josh Allen's got a turnover problem and stuff. It's like <laughs> again, I get he's only playing some shitty defenses right now, but like the guy, he's a gunslinger. He sometimes takes a couple like Farvian chances. You know, a little Brett Farvin him. Um, Sometimes, it, a lot of the time, it goes his way. A couple times, it didn't. Against an elite defense in a weird week one game in bad conditions, it happens. He came out, kind of at least quelled that for, for now. Um, th- they're rolling now, and it was just mu- much needed for them to kind of keep you know people off their backs and McDermott in safe standing and whatnot, and not just to win, to really beat these teams in. So it's almost like, ah, a good reset button. Like, we're 2-1, and one, back in like control of our destiny for the playoffs. Like they got the dolphins coming up, whatnot, but we feel good um, yeah. about where we're at. And like, that's exactly what they need to be. Their defense looks great. Their offense looks great. We forget that they're a top five in both last year. Um, you know, I'd like to see from the bills a little bit. I've got Gabe Davis in fantasy, so I've always got a keen eye on him. He's a solid player, a nice player. I'd like to see that secondary option with Diggs really emerge, whether it's Davis taking a more consistent step or Dalton Kincaid coming on a little bit more. James Cook's been a really good addition for them in the backfield. Yeah. And I think as the season goes on, that's going to be a big difference maker as long as he's healthy. Because in past years, I know they didn't really run it much or have a good running scheme, but Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who Zach Moss actually playing well for the Colts. I can't believe it. But Rumbling they were not. Bumbling around. There. I can't. Be, that's the big, the big most shocking storyline for me this entire year is Zach Moss being a good running. I, I 30 carries. Yeah. 30. He's a workhorse. Uh, who needs Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> Jerome um, who? Yeah, jeez. But, um, you know, Singletary and Zach Moss were not getting it done there. You know what I mean? And James Cook's a legit, you know, they used legit draft capital on him. He's got the lineage. Great college player. I think that's going to be a, a really good fit for them for long term in terms of, like, taking pressure off of Allen. Not as to throw as much. You know, get five chunk yards on a run. Um Latavius even hanging around. Um, yeah. But, what Cole Beasley was for them, I think, yeah. is what you're getting at a couple years ago, where like yeah. there's that reliable third down guy yeah. other than Diggs. Because it did feel like Diggs caught every big pass. He does. Yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Davis had that one touchdown early, but it's like Gabe Davis would looked awesome week two against the Raiders, but weeks one and three, he's like invisible. And if so, if he's your third receiver, or if you have a third receiver who's doing that kind of up and down, like he's dominant one game and then invisible next, that's fine. But if he's your number two guy, like it's a lot on Diggs and Allen together. And I don't know if that's just Allen targets him all that time, but that's what I'd just like to, I'd be curious to see how that opens up for the Bills as we move on because when their offense does stall a little bit and Allen's forcing it, it feels like they're missing someone besides Diggs. It feels like they're missing a little run game and it's getting a little bit forced and not kind of fluid as as it should be. Agreed because I I know you know this but it's, it's you know, Gabe Davis is that specific archetype of a receiver where he's probably going to be second on the team in receiving yards. Yeah. But you're not going to run a third and eight play for Gabe Davis to beat a guy one on one. Like he, right. maybe you would, but it'd be like a double move to just try to try to yeah. call a house call. Like he's probably not going to be second on the team and catches in a perfect world. Um, yeah. He might be by default, but yeah, if right. you're the slot guy or if Don Kincaid turns into, you know, baby Travis Kelsey, even though he's a little more of a receiver, honestly. Than, right, right. Than uh, Kelsey body wise. But 
Yeah, I think it's a great call because they they do feel like it's like they look dominant, but there is still, you know, we saw it in the first couple of weeks. They can look a little like drive to drive um, right. inconsistent for sure. Right. Oh, Diggs isn't open. What do we do here kind of thing? But again, yeah. that's just I'm nitpicking here. They look great again. It just as they play better teams and they're going punch for punch against the Chiefs or the Dolphins or whoever, like I, I'm just curious to see how that, that develops. And then Chiefs. I mean, Kelsey looks healthy again. That's the biggest thing. We've talked yeah. about it at nauseum. If he's healthy, he looks good for a full season. I'm not worried about him. Reed's, Reed and Mahomes are the best duo in the league, coach and, and quarterback combo, obviously. So um, they'll be there to the very end of the playoffs. And until otherwise, they're the top dog, you know, to knock off. So be interesting who's going to get home field advantage throughout the year because it seems like it really does matter. Arrowhead versus Buffalo versus Miami. It just there's Dude. a lot, lot at stake for those three teams. And uh, the Dolphins' schedule is pretty nice. They have like a couple cold weather games, uh, but they get their Buffalo trip out of the way this weekend, which is going to be an incredible game. Oh, I'm um, so pumped! It's slated to be 75 and sunny, so Dolphin weather. Uh, and they really only have like two or three cold weather games all season. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you. They can somehow manage to to get home field. That's uh I mean, no, I think it's bigger than any other team getting it, yeah. honestly. And it's literally been Arrowhead for five straight years now. Um which is so. insane. Because that still really covers is. Brady Patriots years, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, the last one. Yep. Um and just on the Seahawks note, I think I, I mentioned off camera, I don't think I, I did um on the mic yet, but we when week one happened, um, it was like, whoa, are the Rams like kind of good? The Rams are kind of looked like shit since. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Stafford still looks okay, actually. I mean, He's making no cup. No cup. Yeah. Uh, but Puka's legit. Atwell's fun. Yeah. They, you know, they've got some McVay flair, but, um, you know, I, I told you that that game flow was very fluky. Like, they didn't get a lot of t- touches in the second half. The third quarter was like dominated by the Rams. Credit to the Rams. But, um, I was like, I'm not worried about the Seahawks yet. Like, it's not like Geno looked flat out bad. Um, yeah. And they have a ton of weapons. And Carroll's a really good coach. He He's a guy who, like, I know he's not really calling the plays, but he has a great feel for the game. Like, how a game is unfolding. Like, hey, we need to press a little bit more with more offense. Blitz a little more on defense. He just seems to kind of read it really well and is in tune with the players. I don't know. That's the vibe I pick up for him. Maybe he's just energetic, <laughs> but for, you know, surprisingly energetic and spry for his age. But I just like... Yeah. He Chewing seems the to... shit out of his gum. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, they're... Like, it's cool to see that, like, the Geno Smith experience looks like it's here to stay at least for a couple more years. I would have hated for it to be a glass slipper one year thing turned back into pumpkin. So it's reassuring to see that the guy... And he didn't have great numbers this past weekend, but he can lead an offense that's that's putting up points. That's just yeah. what I wanted to say about that. He, he's you know? he's still not writing back, and we all that's love right. Him. Uh, uh, but on the flip side, good God, quarterback we're rooting for. <laughs> Holy smokes! Is it over for Justin Fields? Not in Chicago. Not this season. We just mean in general, right? Like this is. This is as bad as it could have looked. Uh, I think it really might be over. I, I was listening to a pod today, and they were talking like, you know, it's pretty pretty good life being a backup QB. Like, ju- Justin needs to just reset expectations. Like, is mm. it? I mean, granted, they have the Broncos this week. So, if you ever needed a, a bounce back game, they're underdogs. I, Jesus Christ, they're underdogs in that game. 
that's not a good sign. Um, it's also maybe not the right time to get the Broncos. Like their defense just gave up 70. So right. either they truly quit on the coach or they actually show some fight this week. I, I don't know. There's really no analysis here. Like anyone who watched the game or, or listened to anything yeah. uh, summarizing it, it is disgusting. They, this was a pass, pass, pass game script from go. And the dude had 11 completions. Yeah. He can't like move the ball when it's off coverage, fourth quarter, down 25. It's it's a disaster. And I think coaching, ironically, uh, given his quotes, like does deserve a lot of the blame. Yes. He does not look comfortable. Uh, we, we said it all last week. Like it's, it, He is not mentally anywhere near where he needs to be in terms of just reading the defense and, and feeling confident in his, his reads and his throws. But it, it just looks too bad to, to come back from. Dude, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like him and Zach Wilson look more like each other than they don't back there. And that's, yeah. I, you think like someone listening to this might be like, that's insulting to Fields. Dude, it's really not. It's They're not far apart. They have that same blank stare in their eyes. They both kind of like, I know Fields is bigger than Wilson, but they kind of look the same size back there and like have strong arms. But happy feet don't look comfortable ever. Look completely lost. I think you mentioned off camera they like they you just they're almost like giving up in the game because they've just lost confidence and it's like you have no faith on them to lead a drive. Like they get a completion, they're the most surprised people in the building, and it's just like yeah. whoa. But they they kind of look alike in the way they play and their str- similar struggles. And it's Zach Wilson. We all know what he is. He's a career backup at best, if not out of the league in a couple years. Um, because he's really, really bad. He's one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen that's gotten this much run as a starting QB. Seriously, unfortunately, yeah. I feel Took bad for him. You know, I feel bad for him. It's like it's clear that he was drafted too high. He's not the guy, and they keep thrusting him out there just to get mauled. Um, yeah, in the wrong market for it. Fields feels like there's more there, but mm-hmm. at least what we're seeing on a day to day basis. Yeah, maybe maybe felt is it's past tense already, but I'm t- dude. They look he's closer to being Zach Wilson or already is Zach Wilson than he is to being even like Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones is like the best case scenario. It feels right. like right now. Oh, like man. get a good coach to to revive you, and and it's like pretty run heavy, so you don't have to sit there and dice. Like, what happened st- to this guy? Yeah, I mean. I, I kind of like have been reading a lot on it because I want to – I'm rooting for the Bears and like I know the Chicago base has a huge – maybe it's the big cat influence of just kind of like – and like Barstool Eddie and those guys like being in tune with the Chicago fan base. Yeah, lovable losers. Yeah, yeah but it, they're like fun guys too to root for and I don't – like there was a lot of hype coming into them this year from the Chicago outlets. Me and you were not – you I had them above the, the Packers. You – smartly had the Packers above them in the rankings, but we were both pretty low on them. We're just like, hey, yeah. maybe there's a chance he puts it together. I haven't seen it yet. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, but there's a chance. You know, the off chance. It's been worst case scenario through and through from start to bottom or from top to bottom. But I, I just like, again, we've talked about it, Zach. He's kind of had kid gloves outside of the Chicago media. Like the national media has kind of had kid gloves with like, it's the coaching, it's the game script, it's this and that, it's the weapons, it's, you know, whatever. And that all may be true. He's definitely not in, like, the best scenario to succeed. But at some point, there has got to be a bare minimum of progress from him. He could lose the game, I don't care, but I need to see progress out of his play. 
and it's just not there. And I don't know. I mean, we'll get into Eberflus in a second because I think he's yeah. god awful. But you man, can't lose oh, 15 man. in a row. Yeah, right. But like, there's just it, even if they're not running you enough, like there's just so little as a pocket passer that's like that's hard to succeed, no matter how run or like dual threat quarterback favoritism it is now you know what i mean yeah yeah he needs like a sabbatical and then a new coach i mean do you think it's done for him it's again it's still only year three there hasn't been progress but with a fresh coach in year four because like it happened for daniel jones with with dabble at least to Mm -hmm. become competent i'm not saying good but competent but i mean like dude they might they're at the point where they just punt you know, lose that's the, the lose sad and, thing and then is, draft a QB and he's done. Yeah. <laughs> and they have the Panthers pick too. So there's just, there's so True. many worlds where they end up with with the quarterback in the draft, or at least a great opportunity to take Caleb or Drake May. That that's kind of what scares me for him. And it might just get so bad. I'll, I'll put it this way: I think the only way it works for Fields in Chicago is if Ibrahulus is gone in the next month. Yeah, and he they cut bait. The locker room rallies around, whether it's an interim guy or somebody that can at least just be like, hey, Justin, we're doing it different. Like, clearly that wasn't working. I don't know if it's a more simplified system or if it's like, fuck, I don't care what you run. Just allow him to, like, hit his back foot and throw. DJ Moore is capable of getting open well enough to, to at least give him some easy throws. I don't care if it's, like, third and 12 and you're throwing nine yard outs and hoping he can beat a guy. Like, just give him something to build on, and and maybe they win enough games at the end of the year, at least look decent enough, and don't have the number one overall pick. Where they say, "All right, we'll we'll, we'll try it one more year," uh, but but it has to be a coach that comes in and totally changes the way he plays professional yeah. football right now. Like that's the it, only way. It's yeah. There seems to be so much missing there. I don't even know where to start. Um, DJ Moore will say it. Yeah, crazy, crazy. I'm not comparing the two, but there were moments two seasons ago, 2021, where Tua would look like he didn't belong in the NFL. Right. Yeah. It just it didn't feel right, and he'd be throwing these grounders to dudes. Like confidence at the quarterback position is massive. Yeah. So I haven't given up hope. Tools are insane. I, I should. I have given up hope. Um. But <laughs> I'm not totally. Yeah. All of it. I'm not. There's I'm still a little bit left, and I think. You know, I'm not saying maybe talking in a whole another year with them, but if he gets if they cut ties and they they get a they draft a quarterback in this draft, um, and they're like, all right, field is out, and they trade him to another team, like I could see another team taking a swing at starting him, fresh start with a trendy head coach. Maybe. Like I don't think I, I think I, he I, has another starting job in him. If he does, I don't think it comes until he backs up for a little while. Mm. I, I don't like know a Mariota. If he, yeah, a Mariota, even a, a Gino, but hopefully not six years of, right. of backing up. Um, just because that's a tough thing to sell a fan base, right? If you have a new, exciting head coach, and then you bring in like a, a very notable failure. Well, I look at it like maybe not like a, like team the – I'm just trying to compare to one right now. The the Panthers – no, because the Panthers are out of Bryce Young. Like the Bucks, I know they have Baker and they're doing okay – but like a transition, like a transition zone team, like the Raiders instead of getting Jimmy G, the Bucks instead of yeah. getting Baker, um, you know, if the Texans wanted to sit Stroud for a year 
if the you know the Panthers wanted to sit Bryce, like teams like that, um, you know, the Falcons if they wanted to try something different from Ritter, like something like that. I think there's yeah. teams where if you're kind of Falcons in transition, is actually, wait, yeah. that's what I want. Then no. <laughs> Falcons. I like I like the idea of that way too much. I Trade for a awesome. mid-season. Yeah. Just go full tank if you're the Bears. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. I, that that is a good call though. Like the the Cardinals this year. Hard. Yes. I that's even a perfect example. It. Like maybe a, a tanking team that just like fired their coach is bringing in a new guy to kind of rebuild a system. They're clearly in a transition mode. Might have a couple leftover weapons, but just let the guy go out in a pressure fill, like pressure free scenario. Even if you go four and twelve, five and eleven, see if he's worth the one keeping around, and then draft outside of a QB. I yeah. don't know. Like I, see if you I'm a gold. fan. I'd rather see 17 games of Fields than 17 from Andy Dalton or something like. You know what I mean? Like a, just a stopgap veteran that's not going anywhere. Like come on. You know I'd rather take a chance on that for like again for a year transition period. Um, on that note though, I forgot that they have the Panthers pick. Would you rather be in the Panthers or the Bears situation right now? Oh my, that's a phenomenal question. Because on the one hand, it's hard to imagine it being worse than the Bears right now. But 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 it's not. Like as long once it's you not. like once you're okay with all of that preseason fields hope just being flushed down the toilet, it's actually not that bad of like a next right. ten year outlook. Whereas the Panthers have to be shitting their pants; they picked the wrong guy. Yeah. Like I I actually think like if you asked me a week ago two weeks ago i'd say the panthers but right now it's almost the bears like it's gotten so bad for fields that all right may maybe you can move on in a year yeah that's... but they they have two because they have their pick so they're if the bears yes. suck all year and the panthers will suck all year which is likely now that's two top 10 at worst maybe top five picks that they're picking in a loaded top heavy draft with a ton of offensive talent so you have all those picks so you can start over at qb start fresh with a new coach and kind of rebuild there with like a QB from a class that's way better than the class we just drafted from, at least on paper. While the, the Panthers made their bed with Bryce, and I'm not saying he's not the guy. Early yeah, signs have not sure. been encouraging, but they have absolutely zero weapons for him and no top 10 pick to get that receiver that's the thing. that it's they like really every, need. And, yeah, every game he loses a double win. It's like, oh, we also right. don't get our pick and Exactly. So it's like, whoa, like, and they're bad. Their defense isn't, like, they have some some guys there, but their offense is so bad that it nullifies their defense. It's not good enough to, like, keep them in games like the Jets. Their weapons, I, I, I can't get over it. It's like the corpse of Adam Thielen and who else, DJ, like, what are they doing with these retreads? It's like you got to draft at least more than just Jonathan Mingo for the, you know, if you're going all in on Bryce Young. So you think as bad as it as embarrassing as it is for the Bears right now, and as embarrassed those as embarrassed as those fairs are, pun intended, embarrassed. That's horrible. <laughs> um, as embarrassed as they that. are because they had like expectations this year and whatnot, I I would rather be in their situation than the Panthers because like there are I, serious I, yeah. questions about Bryce's like size. Like that's not his talent or anything. That's just his size, and that's a thing. It's inevitable. I, well, the other th like. It, is Steve, I know it's a different roster. Is Steve Wilkes the greatest interim coach of all time? Because <laughs> he had them humming last He year. did. Like they were bad full time really coach. Really good down the street. Great interim yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's yeah, now he's D coordinator for the Niners, just scheming it up for, for an incredible unit. Yeah. And I wonder, like Frank Reich, like I I, I was more used to be higher on him than I am now, but he's like a little bit of an older coach. 
is he the guy to turn him around? Are they just kind of toil for four years, like yeah. John Fox with the Bears kind of thing? And it's like, ah, this isn't really it. I don't they know. Do you have like a veteran? So Josh McCown's the quarterback's coach, and then Andy Dalton might as well be right. Josh McCown, the quarterback coach, in terms of like molding Bryce. Like it's almost like they have two QB coaches. So I do think that sort of like lineage of Reich being a QB guy. And then, you know, a couple of veterans. Like, I, I feel like they, they've put it in place to not coddle Bryce, but like to, yeah. to give him the best possible environment. But like, I bet if you gave him some truth stream, he's like, yeah, how about a number one receiver? Right. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't need Josh McCown in my ear, although I'm yeah. sure he's a great guy. But he's, or he's a lovely man. Yeah. But anti-porn. <laughs> Hates yeah. porn. Uh, him him yeah. and uh, Dan Orvlosky, right? Yeah. I, and I'm not saying Bryce isn't the guy. It's just there are question marks. It hasn't been an encouraging early return. Not that it was expected to be. Right. Um, but it just has you like, man, I really wish I had that pick still. You know, and like that trade, which already felt like an overpay for a weaker QB yeah. class. And there wasn't like a the guy. Now it starts to sting a little bit more. But which does lead us to the next, you know, set of QBs here. And kind of a... Early season, um, or early season stud that I did not see coming, and you know was a often a topic of discussion in the offseason about you know these guys are all going to be grouped together: Richardson, Stroud, up to you know Bryce Young at one. Um, a lot of people were down on Stroud, including myself. The Ohio State stigma, um, just going to the Texans, you seem like a yeah, not very mobile Texans. You know, had loaded receivers in college, padded stats. Texans who seem like a mess with no res- like it just didn't seem like it was player aside even though I think the Ohio State bias got to me a little bit um but he also like didn't seem all like he was kind of inconsistent his last year in college but player aside the situation seemed miserable with the Texans um and yeah. at least through three games he's looked a whole lot better than Bryce um Richardson's hurt now who also looked good but man CJ Stroud has looked every bit part of an NFL like a high-end yes. starting caliber quarterback and I there's did just, not see that coming. Yeah, there's like real like NFL QB stuff from early on, like anticipatory throws yeah. and just a comfort in the pocket when it feels like his linemen are getting pushed up against him. Like he's got that big body and, and doesn't look phased at all by that. He, he's looked incredible. He really has. This is also sort of an aside to, to just the Texans chat. Every time I see D'Amico on the sidelines, I want to play for this guy. Beast. Like He's like Vrabel he, like that. Yeah, and you can tell like you just almost feels like one of the guys, even yes. though they all have like a reverence for him. It's it's a really cool environment for, yep. for that. You know. He's he's a guy. I mean, he still looks like he could suit up. He's ripped and yeah. he looks pretty young. It's like if I always say how this day and age, in these last like five years, it turned where you need an offensive minded head coach to really win a Super Bowl. But if you want. Like there is a, an avenue for quicker success and overachieving with that inspiring defensive guy who's like a young defensive head coach was in the league, you know, in the last five to ten years. Guys just love him, kind of like are close in age to him, but like also really respect him because he's like an intense guy who was really good in the NFL, like inspiring, emotional defensive leader kind of guy. Like Vrabel did it quickly with the Titans, Demeco, a couple other guys. I feel like in that realm. Um, that can kind of bring you a quick like, whoa, this guy like I mean Dan Campbell's strength and conditioning I get, but like bring kind of like that that like injection of exuberance and like grit and ex- excitement and like you know motivation to play and kind of see a young team or in a bad team overachieve. 
I kind of, I always like it. I do. And it surprises me. It usually does. Cause I'm always like looking at it on paper, what this roster looks like and whatnot. And then it's, you know, you get surprised. And to some degree, it's like a new era in the NFL. The NBA has been moving this way where just get a likable ex player in there to coach and like the X's right. and O's maybe. And then good important. coordinators. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but yeah, now the NFL just feels like it's trending that way where if, if you're going to rally a locker room, Dion at Colorado is a, totally different beast but i actually do think there's some similarities there where yeah you know you just got to rally men at the end of the and you know play calling is play calling and head coaching is head coaching and yeah um we've just seen it work in a lot of places where those two things are, are separate i but i will say for long-term success like those really good offense coordinators get jobs elsewhere and to have and can continue that line of going and you know having a fun offense you need to keep nailing that offensive coordinator and it's not always easy to do as we've seen before um, yeah. so like the, the shelf life of success isn't always as high as you'd want it to be if you had an offensive minded head coach. Um, yeah, were you gonna say something there? No, no, that's, that's uh, very well said. I, um, I totally agree. I was looking at our next topic, our third dud, cause uh, whatever yeah. the opposite of, or sorry, I guess we, we, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little too quick. I'll, I'll jump into Jordan Love. If, yeah. If you don't mind here. Cause I, th- that was the two guys we had paired here. Um, young QBs. Not a lot of starts under their belt who just look legit. They look the part. Yeah. Stroud, we just touched on. Jordan Love might be a little surprising to be in this category. Uh, they got shut out through three quarters. He looked kind of like ass. It was his worst game of the year through three quarters. They sneak out an 18-17 win at home. They win ugly, which is something young QBs usually don't do. Mm-hmm. And it did kind of break my heart to see Jameis um, sort of <laughs> kind of blow that lead and then he Jameis. drives him down for the field goal and, and the kicker just bricks it a little bit right um, I was so impressed with love because it's it's what we alluded to with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields but also just the average young NFL quarterback if you've sucked all day to be able to like maybe you can lead a drive but it's usually because you're just making a few easy plays and a couple runs break this was like a jordan love show to drive the ball down the field and then he gets uh, this two-point conversion if if you guys haven't seen it go watch it he Mm. i don't know if he has to truly like double clutch or pump fake but it doesn't look like it's it. the first reads covered it was like a tight end over the middle and then he has to sort of not quite jump pass but just throws a guy open across his body awkward like d lines falling on him uh and it it just looked mahomes-esque um and him being six five and and physically a guy who can who can get you a yard if you needed he had a rushing touchdown in this game Mm -hmm. um he just really looked the part in the fourth quarter and and to do that admittedly at home it's a whole lot easier than on the road but to do that after playing like ass um just shows me you got the stuff like there's I mean, I watched Brady for years, and he would play like ass for a quarter here or there all the time. But you never, you knew it would never last all game. Same with Peyton. Same with all of the legends. Yeah. And, um, there's so many quarterbacks where you kind of see in the first half they just don't have it, and it ends up looking crappy. Like Sam Howell this weekend, for example. Yeah. It's like that's and a even, dude that lost his confidence. It's almost a little bit of a difference between like a guy like Kirk Cousins who will look ass for three quarters and then turn it on when it's too late in the game and pile and have amazing stat line. But it's like, well, Kirk, you put, you gave yourself a 21 point deficit and yeah. you're not getting out of it this time. Well, the other guys like won't let the game out of, get out of hand kind of thing. Um, and I agree. And with it's you. I think, the legit D they play too. Yeah. Saints D is, is legit. It's not like, yeah. Oh, he stunk, but it was his fault. It was like, they got throttled and then right. fought through. Yeah. 
I just think him and Stroud have, it just seems like they have that little bit of that composure. Like Stroud had that lead firmly against the Jags and like held onto it, made big play after big play to continue to hold it. Even in their losses, he still was battling. It wasn't like a hopeless endeavor to try and drive down for like a late touchdown. Fields and Wilson, it just, it feels over before it started almost kind of thing like that. While Love and Stroud, maybe not Stroud quite as much, but Love so far has really given them chances to win in almost every game, in every game. He's been around, or like you, yeah. you just have that trust a little bit more already with those guys. So, I mean, Stroud's been the biggest shock for me. Um, stud on the season through three weeks. So, um, no doubt, well, of, two two teams that look like they have their guy at least yeah. for for the next handful of years. And maybe breaking the Ohio State quarterback curse because it's it's pretty lengthy right now. Yeah, <laughs> Fields. It's funny, man. I wonder if if you just ask people like gun to head preseason. Who's going to be better this year, Fields or Stroud? I feel like you would have gotten like eighty percent Fields. I would have said that, yeah. Even Crazy. being down on Fields, I I mean I I yeah. didn't like Stroud this year. But I mean they're still probably like going to win four or five games, but it's more than that as we're discussing of what we see in the guy. Absolutely, I, he can yeah. sling it. He put up almost four hundred one week, and like it was an efficient four hundred. It wasn't some paltry like garbage time nonsense. Yeah, usually you leave a rookie back there to sling it, and it's it's gonna go it's bad awful. before it goes yeah. good. Yeah. Um, all right. Our final dud Speaking of the week. Speaking of bad. <laughs> so I know you actually weren't weren't sitting in front of a TV for the entire Sunday night game. Um, Josh McDaniels Ugh. was down eight, fourth and four, at like the twenty five or something, <laughs> with like three and a half on the clock, something like that. Field goal. First time ever a team down eight uh, with that little time left has kicked a field goal. What about the Packers one and with LaFleur? Oh, that's in the playoffs. That's really interesting. That was pretty similar. Maybe They're... the stat I heard was um, was excluding playoffs now that you mentioned oh, that. Oh, yeah. Huh. Because the I'm Packers definitely did it with LaFleur. Yeah. When they, were they down eight, too? Was that like yeah. the – Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, well, good call. I wasn't thinking of that. But just a bizarre move. He's so uninspiring. It really, the, this he's awful. Dud section. It's just bad coaching. Eberflus to me has to be gone in a couple weeks. <laughs> and then the last point. I'll, I'll let you take this one because um, he somehow got away with it. But Brandon Staley and the fucking <laughs> Chargers. It's like they want it to happen. Uh... It's unbelievable. Fourth and two at their own, like twenty-two. And they're up four. Just punt it away, dude. Like, uh. And the extra bad part about that is it's like, okay, their defense sucks, right? I get it. So you really have zero faith in your defense. What does that say to your defense, like, on the sideline? Like, he really doesn't trust us. That one feels more like an insult to the defense than a compliment to his offense. And yeah. secondly, he's a defensive-minded head coach. He's a defensive coordinator. It's his fault the defense sucks. What is happening? Like, dude, like, you're a defensive guy, and, like, so you don't trust yourself or your defense. I get, like, putting the ball in your best player Herbert's hands for that, but you're right. Like, it's an inconsistency. feels like a panic decision in, like, not really feeling like the reading the room and feeling like yes. how this game is supposed to be working. And you know, players do always say they like to be aggressive, and I'm sure – you know, you put a mic in front of him, Herbert. Be like, I love coaches. You know, putting right. his nuts on the on the line. And sure, if you're consistent, great. But if you're the Chargers and you know that, like, this has been your coach's reputation, and then all of a sudden it's fourth and two at your own twenty, like, you can't tell me there isn't a little bit more tension 
in that offense. Like that, that's a pretty like high stakes, intense play. I, I don't know. It just feels like putting putting your dudes in in the wrong situation and it was like, asking for failure. It was an inconsistent or unexpected call from him because he was coaching for his job. And he felt the heat. Of, it was like you can notice when in <laughs> over the years, kind of like an animal getting his, his, you know, back up against a wall and the claws come out a little bit and they'll do like unexpected things to fight back. This felt like one of those like this is bigger than the game. I'm fighting for my job to not lose it. Like I need to get this fourth and two. Like I can't risk losing it on this like Kirk Cousins drive coming down the field. Um, and it's just I mean, that's not really how you want to lead and how you got to this spot. It's a lot of it's on him. Uh, if it, it feels like again, he's just mopping the floors for Kellen Moore to take over next season. But um, it just for him specifically, for a team that I mean, the franchise is so snake bitten for history and years and years. Like the classic, again, I've said it before, but the Sunday tradition is the 4 p.m. window, sun setting, coming to a close. Philip Rivers screaming out his like veins popping out of his head, screaming at his players, trying to lead a frantic uh. drive down the field. Just um, ripping it from his hip, the correct. lowest release point of all time. And in the drive, whether they need a touchdown, a field goal, it always comes up just short in painstaking fashion. Either a gutting, gut wrenching turnover, missed field goal, you know, fourth down missed conversion, whatever it is. Even Breeze before that, Rivers for so long was the face of it. Now it's happening with Herbert too, um, and it just like a lot of it's always out of their control. Like a quarterback again. Herbert, I get, has to come up with big drives here and there, but the guy is a stud. Helen Moore's letting him air it out and really demonstrate his his arm talent. He really has all of the, the tools, and I think he has the mental like that the, the mental edge too. It's just mm-hmm. it doesn't. It just seems like we talked all about how the Dolphins have Tua and like set him up to succeed really well. Not taking away from Tua because he's been awesome and he helps elevate the team around him, but they have set him up to succeed in every facet and the team to succeed. The doll or with the Chargers, it feels like Herbert is fighting against his own team to be good. Like he's fighting against, he's trying to make up again for a mistake that the special teams had, that the defense had, that Staley had with clock management, or with a you know the defense lets up a huge touchdown. And it's like, man, like they're not making it easy for that guy. There's all these stats about how they have bottom five defense, bottom five special teams under with Herbert's you know in Herbert's time, and he's like 500 record because. He's dealing with the absolute worst at everything except, you know, the receiver position. Part of me, I know I was I was not anti Herbert preseason, but um I am the dumbass who who picked Justin Fields over Herbert in a dynasty startup <laughs> draft. I forgot about that. <laughs> and what what you just outlined, like part of me wants to be like, is Herbert just a way sexier Derek Carr? And I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. That, that's a little asinine. Um because you just w- w- a like watch the games or be right. like he like th- there's a comfortability not just physical stature but like he just the like car there was like a touch of oh that old lineman's a little in my grill and like didn't yeah, quite yeah. have the the elite composure which which herbert definitely does have but i, I struggle with the herbert thing because like the offense is set up not not the herbert thing in terms of like how good he is but like how much we need to blame Staley and if he's going to get fired because the team's good enough where you want consistency. Like if you're the Chargers ownership, you know, it's pretty rare you fire a coach and then like go on a playoff run, right? Yeah. And so I guess my question to you, like do you think Staley gets fired this year or do you think he makes it through the season? It depends how bad their record gets. 
Yeah, which is like dumb almost, right? Like he's doing dumb stuff that's hurting you games. Like don't reward him for that cousin's pick at the end. But that's that's how this business works, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think their problem was keeping him in the offseason. They should have just, yeah. if they're bringing in Kellen Moore to be the guy, I don't know if he's maybe not ready, but like you should have just made him head coach. Maybe he's the head coach in waiting. But even having a weird transitional, unspoken transitional, transition in waiting thing, that's not good for the team or, the, or, or for Staley to coach or, and for a young QB to have. I think Kellamore is great for them and great for Herbert and probably will become that head coach. Um, but I, I, I did hear. Yeah. Just to, I, when I lived in Dallas, I would listen to too much Dallas sports radio. It was actually entertaining as hell. Um, and Kellamore is the OC there. Apparently, and this is, again, him five, six years ago. I'm sure he's matured. Um, but there was a lot of thoughts that he'd never be the head coach there because, granted, this was all through the lens of Jerry Jones, but that he didn't quite have the personality to be an NFL head coach. Now, granted, we've trans like Brandon fucking Staley's a head coach, so right, maybe right. he could get away with it. And um, that dork in Arizona. <laughs> Although they're playing for him. They actually are playing for him, yeah. yeah I got to give him credit. Gutsy um, defensive performance. Yeah, but I think that is a unfair. question. What, whether whether he had, no, is totally, totally justified. Um, all of those preseason videos were yeah, horrendously. Although McDaniel had some weird ones too before the Dolphins, and people were like, who is this guy? And he's been <laughs> awesome since. And Sirianni looked like he quite yeah. literally had never done a public speaking anything. It's true. And then it's working. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if they, if they have a bad record, rightfully or wrongfully, it's going to be blamed on Staley. Yeah, and he will if it gets bad enough where they're like they're it's pretty clear that they have they need a miracle run to make the playoffs or now like their their playoff percentage is under fifty percent or whatever which would be pretty shocking not shocking because it's a competitive AFC but I think there is like a desperation fire midseason because there was so much heat on him to fire him after that playoff game rightfully mm -hmm. or wrongfully there was so much heat on him they kept him for this year they probably should have cut ties and honestly started fresh. But they, they made their bed for this year. I think they, they have to ride them out until it gets disastrous, for this season at least. And it sucks because it feels like you're holding back, you know, what is a talented roster. But, I, like, it is on him, but their personnel on defense is pretty weak too. Like, I don't know how, you know, Bosa, but J.C. Jackson is, like, worn out for his arrest. He's not even on the team. Like, they had some pretty piss-poor personnel signings. So, I don't know how much that's I will say Staley. that. <laughs> I felt a little bad for JC Jackson. Um, so he's just stunk this year. He's getting targeted like crazy by by opposing quarterbacks. So he's a healthy scratch for the game in Minnesota, which tough. Like he's your your prized um huge cornerback right. signing like two years ago. But then I saw the warrant out for the arrests. Yeah, it was minor. It. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like a dude. I think he just had like a like a speeding ticket. He didn't pay in yeah. Massachusetts because he doesn't live there. So I don't know. We we all lose some paperwork in the mail. I'm not yeah, gonna hold that yeah. one against him. But. No, yeah, exactly. But it's just like Chargers. Like your star signing is just like healthy scratch, and now has to deal with this or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was something bad, very bad minor. Line. Um, but yeah, and just quickly on McDaniel's man. Like I've been out on him for so many years. I know he was good as the Patriots OC and like hallowed ground over there, but. He's such a huge douchebag and huge ego for never succeeding as a head coach. Like his record after a six and zero yeah. start is like the worst. It's like it's uh, what's his Hugh Jackson level? It's like Hugh Jackson 12 and 30. level. And it's like, dude, this guy, 
because he's not just a bad coach where like clearly his offensive schemes or his Patriots way that he wants to bring to these teams doesn't work, but he also resonates so poorly with the players. They all hate him. He drives That's out players. Devontae Adams yeah. hates him like already. He drove out Carr. It's like, say what you want about Carr. He's there, he was finally brought stability to a laughably dysfunctional franchise for a little while. Yeah. Drove um, out Waller. Like, fucking ruined his wedding. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> he he doesn't know how to... He's such a douche in the... Di- like, he just has this aura about him, like, that he's accomplished so much that, like, you have to do it my way or the highway. It's like, dude, you don't have that clout. And... Then on top of it, his system doesn't really – players don't buy in. And then he makes stupid decisions like that late in the game. And it's like, dude, I mean, I'm I'm so out on him. And they bring it in the Patriot retread. It's just stinks. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. And He's but, so lucky Mark Davis is broke. Yeah. Wait, like, he's not going to fire him because it's a shit ton of money. Man, but uh, They brought in Gruden before this for a hundred mil, and it's like Gruden had his had his time. But man, the guy coached when the alpha, when the NFL was such a different league back then. It's like, and he drafted Gruden drafted horribly with Mike Mayock. Like they were drafting as if it was two thousand two still, and like Gruden got yeah, fired from the box. He ran he got ran out because he was like over the you know he wasn't adjusting to the the past happy times. I just Raiders suck. On Monday Night Football, I was like, I don't even think this guy wants to coach. Right. Like, it's almost like a guy that found his place in media and like, yeah, he's got takes, but he clearly, you know, was was yeah. not in the league day to day anymore. Was kind of just, you know, riffing off of what, what used to work. And then, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a big name. Come, come on in. Yeah. I've just never been more confident in like a big name coach failing than McDaniel, even more so than Peyton. Sean Payton failing, who's smug douche in his own right and getting absolutely undressed right now. Problem with Payton is like he's an unlikable guy, but then he makes stupid comments like the Hackett thing, which he wasn't necessarily wrong about, but it was such a a, viola- a clear violation of like the coach's code. code of conduct, so to speak. Yeah, like bro code for coaches, and it's like, dude, <laughs> just keep your mouth shut because you you're gonna suck this year, but you wouldn't have a target on your back if. It would be on Russell, like less than you, if it if you just kept your mouth kind of shut and just went to business or went to work. But like they're an absolute disaster themselves, even more so than last year. And Hackett was worst off coach I, coaching job I had seen. It's like wow, these guys. Uh, dude, if they lose to the Bears this week, I really don't think it's going to happen. I almost think the the Broncos might blow them out. But if they lose to the Bears, it's going to get real loud. Does Eberflus get fired if they get smoked by the Broncos? A, I hope so, and B, I think so. Because if he doesn't, then you're on the cusp of losing 15 in a row. You you just can't start getting into that territory. like, Dude, he... For Fields, you have to save him. Yeah, if if you have any hope of Fields and the season's already lost at 0-4, at least just let the guy run free with, like, anything different because like whatever they're doing i don't know the behind the scenes it's not working and it's clear from so that's what i was saying before i was like trying to get a read from like the the chicago media or like the fans of who they blame more and it seems like they try and avoid going after fields because he's kind of their ride or die right now so they kind of have to back him they all like were tricked even the doubters were tricked into him the other two years ago. So they mm-hmm. all kind of jumped in and were like, oh, fuck, we can't jump out now. And now it's too late. Now we're really backing him. We didn't draft a QB this past year. We traded away the pick. We're riding with him again. And they talked themselves into it, wrongfully so. Like, there was no reason to. But I get it. You know, optimism. But the fans seem to be like, they have to not blame Fields because he's the last 
they can't get away from him until at least the offseason. So it's blame the coaching first. That's easier to place or like in their heads, they're less emotionally attached to that. Fields is supposed to be their guy. And I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I, I you know, it's an emotional fan reaction. I, the Fields has not done them any favors. That being said, 15 in a row is 15 in a row in the NFL. And there is a co- like there's a margin of error that's pretty small in the NFL where there's yeah. got to be something on coaching and they're consistently getting blown out on both sides of the ball. So fields are not like play calling is terrible. They're clearly not playing to field strength, but bigger than fields. It's like, what are they preparing for on either side of the ball? Yeah. They're getting mauled. And that's usually what precedes a coach firing. Like yeah. you guys aren't prepared to show up because, like, like you said, like the NFL, if you have twenty-two professional football players giving their all on every play, like you're gonna win a game here or there. Yeah, it it, it just happens, uh, dude. I I freaking hope it's his last game this week. I do too, for Field's sake, just for Bears fans' sakes. I think the biggest, uh, like, biggest, um, or the most like damning thing for Eberflus, I still don't know what he looks like. <laughs> I actually don't. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. And it's like when your coach is that anonymous and he has a stupid name like Eberflus or like a funky name like that, it's never going to work. And he's like such a nondescript white guy, not to put race to it, but just a nondescript looking guy, auto generated Madden coach. I do not know what he looks like. And I watch a lot of football. I I laughed because I have the exact same thing going on yeah like truly no clue i'm looking it up i've never seen this man eberflus i don't know where he came from his name is like no like a weird skin and like eberflus that just doesn't you're not winning a super Bowl with a guy named eberflus but bigger than that like to have a guy that that's not that nondescript that ineffective or ineffectual and not on our radar that much He's that invisible, like that's never working. It's like Tressman from a few years ago. Yeah. But Tressman was at least like a ghoul looking guy. That's like <laughs> at least I remember because he's a creepy looking guy. But it's that same territory. It's like I don't even notice this guy on the sidelines or like see anything about him. Some of these pictures of Eberflus on the sideline, I'm just going on Google images here. Like it kind of looks like like a dad who's like midlife crisis. I'm going to coach my son's high school football team. Yeah, maybe drinking a little too much. Oh, got yeah. the five o'clock shadow. It's actually the only reason he's doing it so he can drink during the day. Yeah. yeah, I knew he came from the Colts in some capacity. I know nothing else about that. Good God. Also, is he come from the... But- does he come from the Nagy tree eventually? <laughs> like, oh, God. Because Colts, like Reich or, or Nagy, Andy Reid, like, why would they do We'll have to investigate. I would honestly assume no, just because if you're the Bears, like, that man's hurt you enough. Why Why would you hire again? Because Nagy the- comes from the Andy Reid tree, right? Right. Okay. And yeah, Peterson's, I, is Peterson also, I think he is, Peterson's also Andy Reid tree, and Peterson, yeah. had, the Colts, Eagles have had crossover over the years. Right? Did Wright come under Peterson or no? I don't think so. Okay, I so then think so. that might be different then. But yeah, I mean, he's just Either not the way. guy. Hope he gets fired. Um, it's just I know it's like I, the last thing I'll say about all this. It's easy to be critical of this. It's fun to do sometimes. <laughs> but all joking aside, as a fan, and I'm not saying I could do better out there, it's just really frustrating, even as a neutral fan, to watch like noticeably archaic play calling and like really silly p- coaching decisions. But really what grinds my gears is the bad play calling, like treating it like it's 1980 with no creativity. It's like, come yeah. on. You've got athletes. Do something. 
and and there's other I, I echo what you're saying. Like I don't I don't know, you know, one play call from the other. I, I didn't play. But you get the film on, on Monday mornings, I would assume. Like just put in the Dolphins film. Put in the cheat like study what these it's like savant play callers are doing. Cause at the end of the day, like you have all the evidence. Like, try some other stuff. It's like the, you know, this this can be true of like a middle manager or an NFL head coach, where it's like, don't take your system and force it upon to your talent. Do the inverse, and that that I think is exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah, predictable play calling and just feeling, like, oh, this is how I play football. Yeah, and I mean, even Figure with dude, with even with Zach Wilson, as bad as awful as he is, but he's kind of got like similar skill set to Fields, like on the run, cannon of an arm. They're running no play action. They're running up the middle with like Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook every play. Like get these guys out in open space. Do yeah. sh- like at least try something different. Holy the first smokes. time I saw Zach Wilson, I was like, is this the white Kyler? The way he would like yeah. scurry around the line and he looks yeah, great not- without pads. But holy <laughs> smokes, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's. More or less wrap up. We're just gonna hit a, a bunch of a bunch of quick Talking hitters. Points. Um yeah. yeah, final, final little call it call it the big finish, if you will, if you want to get all PTI with it. Um Deshaun looked great for the first time in four years. I'm not gonna say congratulations to him because he seems like a shitty dude, but that <laughs> defense is incredible. Yeah. And if Deshaun is average, we've been saying this for a while, um, that that's a legit football team. And he looked pretty damn good. Twenty seven to thirty three, I think. No picks. Yep. Um so positivity there. Burrow is scaring the shit out of me. Um, if if I'm a Bengals fan, he's I assume he's going to play for the next month, and it's going to be a huge question mark on like, is he good enough to to win them two or three of those games? Because um, if not, they're they could still be in a hole, right? They won, but it was ugly. He looked rough. Um, kicking it over to you now. You wanted to, to touch on the the older wide receivers, a little little bit of a renaissance yeah. for some of our favorite. How about guys. a little bit of guys being father time here? Discounted a little bit in the fantasy community. Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, um, all over 30, kind of the age bug creeping in of like, do they still have it? Could this be where they fall off that wide receiver cliff? Everyone says 30s like the cutoff we've seen in recent years with like Andre Johnson, Julio Jones. Um even DeAndre Hopkins a little bit, you know, yeah. with the injuries, AJ but like Green, AJ like Green, they fall off a cliff and like, you don't hear from them. Then their shells and themselves bouncing around kind of, you know, teams as like this ghost veteran. It's kind of sad. Um, these guys haven't missed a beat at all and are winning single-handedly winning fantasy weeks. It's cool to see, love to see our, like the guys we grew up with still, still kicking, uh, upset that I fell for it by the nerds and didn't draft <laughs> a lot of them. Um, yeah. But that was, you know, just a couple huge weeks from them. Wanted to give the shout-out to the Vets. Our weekly Dorkle versus McCorkle um, ranking updates because we always have to keep an eye on them for the Giants, friends we have, and you as a Patriots fan. Uh, where do we stand? Who do we like? Yeah, it might be over. I don't know if you saw. I had, um, as of a month ago, I just in, in hopes of, like, conjuring up some some positivity, I named my – um fantasy team in, in our, our college league mac jones fever you know just <laughs> trying to trying to convince myself and i had to add the the sick like emoji of the guy with the thermometer in his mouth because yeah. now it's a bad mac jones fever and i feel like ass. um i just love how it's, they're both the joneses the jones brothers here they're like just for me they're tied by the tied at the hip because i've just was so out on both of them from the beginning but they really um, look like they could be some rich guys like fuck up kids too yeah preppy boys uh i 
Is so McCorkle's below Dorkle right now? Is I think he has mean? to be. Yeah, Daniel Jones looks looks solid. Yeah. Okay. That's the rankings for now. Zach Wilson. Any Ugh. hope? It's now. like. I don't know how you keep rolling him out there. They signed Trevor Simeon this yeah. morning, I think. Um, I, I don't know if Zach Wilson starts more than three more games this year. Uh, it's the, as bad as we've ever seen. I just feel bad for the guy. He's so lost and hopeless out there. You can't keep – it's cruel and unusual punishment to keep throwing him out there. It's not going to happen in any game. And the, for, for the poor Jets fans, they did this all last year. And like, oh, if we only had a QB, if only had a QB. They went out and got one. It failed spectacularly four plays in. But, man, to do it all again without crying something more than, like, Simeon or Flacco or something like that. Holy shit. Yeah. I was saying Kirk Cousins last week that that, that buzz is starting up. Like, do something. Um, did you see the clip of the Jets fan just trying his best to chew out Zach Wilson from the stand? Yeah, his teeth fell out. His dentures. Yeah. <laughs> Tough like show. Fireman Ed's brother right there. I met Fireman Ed <laughs> at a game last year. He had less yeah? than he had zero brain cells remaining. It, it was, Love to hear that. It, it was like talking different language to a different species, but he was he was pumped up, man. He has Did like he... the same few catchphrases too. I oh, I'd have to get him for my buddy, but it's something something about defense. Uh, he has like the same three lines he always screams like before a big play. Um, Love that. Like catchphrases. It's like not defense wins championships, but it's like. Like, buckle down here, D, or something like that. I'll have to get the lines for you, but it's hilarious. Love it. Fireman Ed plays the hits. That's right. I just don't think he can really remember much. (laughs) It's just on a, a, like, he's like a Woody from Toy Story. You pull the string. Like, there's a snake in my boots. Like, he has the same three catchphrases. Uh, Dude, someone probably has a Fireman Ed toy somewhere. Uh, I'd like to see that. Um, I guess wrapping up here. Defensive power rankings, we, we talk a lot about offense here. I don't think we give enough shout-out to the D. Niners, Jets, in no particular order. Niners, Jets, Cowboys, Browns, Saints, Pats. Seem like on any given week, you know, you tune into a red zone game or any, you know, the Fox or CBS game, it's like, whoa, that defense is locked down. Miles Garrett, three and a half sacks. Micah Parsons disrupting everything. Uh, Quinn and Williams up the middle or Sauce Gardner, you know, Judon in the Pats. Saints have a ton of guys. I mean, Cameron Jordan, all those guys, veteran guys still hanging around there. Um, seems like these guys, these teams consistently week in and week out, even if their offense has let them down, show up and make some impact plays. You know, teams like the Steelers will have like some bad weeks defensively. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add to, the, to these defenses besides the courtesy shout out, but they've got yeah, playmakers. We- we, we threw this together on a whim just to kind of like take stock of, of what defenses look rock solid. Um, and I think we hit on the big ones. The Pats are maybe questionable because you gave up 10 to Zach Wilson, which is basically 100 <laughs> to an average quarterback. Um, a, a couple honorable mentions. Brutal. The Bills look like they're rounding into form. It's True. definitely not the defense as of or of, you know, two, three years ago when they were really good. But um, they, they went on the road and, and, and held uh an offense that looked good last week to three points, positive signs there. Um, the Eagles probably deserve to be in here, even though I don't think they're what they were the last secondary year. secondary is missing like four starters, and I think they're yeah. getting kind of roasted right now. They will round into form at some point, but talking to some Eagle fans that are or e- fans that are Eagles fans, they're like, yeah, we're missing too many guys to be like a good defense right now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that, that's that's good insight there because I saw 11 from the Bucks and was like, yeah. Or an elite um, defense, I should say. Yeah, but, um, I mean, Jalen Carter is that dude. Their front seven's he, still redonkulous, but out of control. They're, yeah, they're vulnerable to like some pass happy teams. I think, at least at the moment. 
Um, but I one just sneaky think, shout. What? Yeah. One, one sneaky shout. This is not going to be a top 10 defense probably at any point this year. But the Lions, after being horrendous on yeah. defense, um, they look all right. So, heck, Agreed. maybe that team can play some ball. Agreed. I think that's a nice little shout out. I just... The Niners, Cowboys, Browns in particular, I know the Cowboys got lit up surprisingly by the Cardinals, but they're deep. They're, I mean, their offenses are pretty solid at least or like good enough. So it's a balanced team. But those guys have such playmakers that are like the stars of the show in the game sometimes. And yeah. it, I haven't really, maybe it's because it's the emphasis on the pass rush and how fast the game's gotten and pass happy and emphasis on the pass rushers. But like, more so than I used to rem- remember how much of an obvious impact some of these individual defensive players have and how fun it is to watch them. It's like, oh, third down passing down. I can't wait to see what Miles Garrett does here. Holy shit, he just blew through the line. You know what I mean? Like Donald, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, too. I'd be remiss not to mention him, but he's just not on elite defense right now. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's like there's some star power on defense that makes it an, an extra viewing experience bonus. Yeah, those gotta have it plays like late in the fourth, especially if the defensive team's at home. Like that, that's the best. It, it really, like, and granted, there's maybe five of those guys in the league. Um, I forget who was mentioning this, but Joey Bosa is not at all what what he used to be. Um, I think he's battling through some sort of injury. But yeah, Miles Garrett. It feels like he was you know in the conversation for for defensive player of the year like five six years ago, if if I'm not mistaken. He's Still around a good, while. It feels yeah. Like, yeah. Garrett, yeah, and Parsons and and uh Nick Bosa are kind of the, th- yeah. the big three. And then TJ yeah. Watt on the Steelers exactly. seem to be like the big four right now. Sauce Gardner is a cornerback, too. But it's all uh it's fun. But that's yeah. week three wrap up, I think, right there. Anything um anything we missed uh that you wanted to touch on? No. No, I think uh I think that's a, a solid recap. New structure today but uh, i think we still managed to go an hour and a half you know yeah we got carried away a little bit at the end but i think through the first for most of the first six we got we kept it to about roughly an hour so yeah yeah we're uh we're, we're working on it we're 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 striving towards an hour weekly pod and uh we'll, we'll see if we can ever get there but as always i appreciate you guys listening thank you chuck for the time and the insight and uh we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week Every day, every time